Welcome back to Lightshed Research, a podcast that puts our research notes in your ears for your listening convenience. December 17th, 2020. Watch, is Disney creating the flexibility to pivot movies to Disney Plus day and date? Last week's Disney Investor Day was a stunning display of content that illustrated the company now understands the need to dramatically increase spending on original programming for Disney Plus to increase engagement, ramping from $2 billion annually today to over $8 billion annually by 2024. Increasing engagement with must-see content will not only reduce churn and increase gross additions, but should enable meaningful pricing power for Disney Plus. Higher pricing is critical for Disney Plus, whose ARPU is a meager $4.52, driven by 30% of their nearly 87 million subscribers generating about $1 per month via hot star bundling in Asia. We sense Disney's robust content slate for 2021 gave the company confidence to begin raising price in March 2021, raising price by a dollar per sub per month. While investors appear to be solely focused on Disney Plus subscriber growth, not all SVOD subscribers are created equal, with Disney Plus not expected to get to break even until 2024. SVOD ARPU, revenues, and profitability should matter at some point. Worth noting, Netflix has been PL profitable since 2012. What struck us most about last week's Disney Plus content showcase was how cinematic the TV content felt. The Mandalorian feels more like a movie than a TV series, with a cost similar to making a movie and illustrates how content does not need to air in theaters to have massive cultural impact and sell merchandise. In fact, the cultural impact of Mandalorian and Baby Yoda is far greater than any Star Wars film in recent memory. The global reach of SVOD dwarfs the theatrical industry. Sorry, theaters, but it's true. Shifting Disney's theatrical output more aggressively to streaming would enable Disney to raise pricing far faster than their current gradual pricing strategy. In addition, we firmly believe that shifting all Disney movie content to streaming, day and date with theaters, would lead them to have a far bigger movie business over time, not to mention de-risking the business. While Disney management last week reiterated their historical box office success and profitability and their current commitment to releasing major films in theaters, there are three signs that Disney is considering a more dramatic pivot towards streaming, akin to what Warner Brothers is doing with HBO Max. A strategic pivot we firmly believe in, as we discussed last week in our post rebutting Christopher Nolan. Number one, flexible and flexibility. Disney mentioned the word flexible and flexibility 12 times during their investor day, including these quotes from Disney CEO Bob Chapek. Well, first of all, flexibility is going to be a big dynamic going forward for us. It's all following the consumer as they make that transition. And so part of why we did the reorganization that we did is to ensure that we've got an organization that's flexible to read all the cues, whether it's the cessation of COVID or it's the changing consumer behavior so that we are very nimbly make decisions as we go forward. That's why we're all about flexibility right now. But right now we're looking with flexibility. Again, I hate to keep using that word, but it really is the common theme. We're going to look with flexibility because we understand that these that those dynamics, because this is an embryonic market, this direct-to-consumer market. Number two, Braverman's most challenging legal issue. 
Longtime Disney general counsel Alan Braverman gave a rare interview last week at his alma mater, Brandeis University. The full interview is embedded below. When asked about the toughest legal challenge of his career at the 32-20 mark, Braverman responds, It is the shift in the underlying economic model for the film and television to a direct-to-consumer model. The challenge is moving from a world where talent is paid up front for services and then takes risk with back-end participations tied to success and shifting it to a direct-to-consumer streaming model where the historic success metrics no longer apply. The legal complexity is amplified by selling to yourself without the benefit of third-party sales. He even cites the use of the phrase self-dealing, albeit he disagrees with the usage of that term. Listening to Braverman, you cannot help but feel like a bigger shift is going to happen at Disney over the coming year, no matter what management is saying publicly to investors or talent today. Here's Braverman in his own words. In some respects, the biggest legal challenge is what we're going through right now. Um, so the, um, you know, the entertainment business, whether it's television or, or film, uh, um, uh, was based upon a, uh, economic model with, uh, with talent, uh, that would appear in films and television, uh, where, uh, talent received a, uh, uh, uh an upfront payment, uh, for their services, uh, uh, but they would participate. They would take some risk associated with the success of of, of the show or film, um, um, and what's called a uh, back end participation. And, and that lived in a, it, that was a world that kind of worked uh, where studios made uh, films and television programs, uh, and then they would sell it into the market uh, in third party sales. Uh, and the proceeds uh, uh, that were received flowed into the studio. They were accounted for, uh, and those were the proceeds in which the talent would share in accordance with the terms of their back-end deal. Uh, that you know that worked really well, uh, and there are a ton of those deals. I mean, from almost the dawn of time. Uh, now. Uh, virtually every company is migrating to a direct-to-consumer uh, platform. We have ours, Disney Plus, and uh, Hulu. Uh, Comcast has theirs, and Peacock, HBO has theirs, and HBO Max. I think Viacom is trying to launch one. Everyone's everyone's doing their direct-to-consumer thing now. It's the new thing. What's different about that is you're selling to yourself. There are no third-party sales. So the model that was created to capture uh, uh, sort of the rewards in which talent would share no longer there uh, because the third-party sales are not there, but yet the contracts read that way. Uh, uh, it's a lot of inside baseball and HBO made an announcement the other day and it's royal the industry. But the issue that's being talked about is now what? Uh, because you live in a world now where there's, uh, uh, you know, the phrase is used, I don't agree with it, self-dealing, where you're selling to yourself. How do you take an entire ecosystem uh, that was created to distribute rewards on terms that no longer exist mm -hmm. because the nature of the economics of the business have so fundamentally changed? 
you know, and if you believe it, this may not be the greatest problem I've ever had, but if you believe in primacy, it's the one that's most immediate. <laughs> Number three, Marble movie deals evolving. In keeping with Braverman's comments cited above, The Wrap published an article this week that Disney was changing its talent agreements for upcoming Marvel films to increase flexibility in case product shifts to streaming versus theaters. This sentence stood out. Under the new contract language, key above-the-line talent like actors, writers, directors, and producers will receive adjusted compensation depending on whether the film opens in theaters or debuts on the Disney Plus streaming service, according to an insider with knowledge of the situation. Marvel blockbusters typically pay back-end bonuses to key talent based on a film's box office performance, which can be substantial for MCU films, end quote. Disney needs to pivot the movie business. Even with a vaccine rolling out across the country as we write this, there is little doubt that it will take until well into mid-year for a meaningful percentage of the country to be vaccinated. Even when theaters reopen, of those that survive, the worsening pandemic, it remains unclear how fast consumers will rush back to see movies, especially those that refuse to be vaccinated. We doubt attendance, even in late 2021, looks anything like late 2019 box office. Not to mention, as behavior changes, the extended pandemic has probably dampened interest in moviegoing beyond the initial surge of excitement for out-of-home activities. Box office markets like Japan are a poor proxy for the U.S., as they never experienced a prolonged pandemic. Plus, with so many amazing streaming television content that feels movie-like on streaming services such as Disney+, it is hard to see movie attendance ever returning to pre-pandemic levels. As we stated towards the end of last week's Nolan post, unless Hollywood studios evolve, they are likely to fade away over time as they are dwarfed by the global scale and financial firepower of the tech platforms. While Disney clearly wanted to steer clear of the controversy surrounding Warner Brothers and HBO Max last week, we cannot help but think Disney is preparing its own dramatic shift as the odds of Black Widow generating the box office Disney would have done pre-pandemic are low and likely near zero. A new film strategy is critical and giving consumers choice between theaters and streaming appears to be the optimal long-term strategy. If a movie warrants being seen in a theater, let consumers go to a theater, but stop forcing them to go to a theaters. What else was interesting in the Braverman video? At the 1815 mark, Bob Iger wanted Disney to behave like insurgents, not incumbents, and created an insurgent mentality. When Iger became CEO, he took his staff to an offsite where a guest spoke about the traditional battles between insurgents and incumbents. Iger wanted his staff to understand that insurgents almost always win because incumbents focus on the business they have rather than where it is going and what the consumer wants. 2258. The 2008 recession was the beginning of the end for the cable bundle. Disney started to see a fall off in subscriptions just as technological innovation was taking off, with younger generations more willing to consume media on their phones and other outlets. It took courage to lean into D2C. Great promise, but unproven and very likely to lead to some cannibalization. 28-minute mark. Disney's strength is that consumers trust the brand. Any violation of that trust will cause major damage to shareholder value. Interesting how Braverman talked to this as an advantage and a disadvantage. 3220. Dealing with changes in back-end participations, that has been one of the biggest challenges. Back-end participations work extremely well, but in a D2C world, there are no third-party sales. 
he has had to figure out how to adjust an entire ecosystem that was built on terms that no longer exist. 5536. Consumers are going to require more choice on how and where they can consume content. MVPDs are not going to disappear, but content will need to be more immediately available and accessible, which will create a heavy shift towards D2C consumption. No mention of what happens to ESPN, but the clear implication is that ESPN is in deep trouble financially as the bundle sinks.